0: What say you, Jesus? Both the Pharisees and the Herodians want to know what you think about one of the hottest political questions of the day. Will you side with the Pharisees who would like to see a return to the throne of David? Or will you side with the Herodians who would like to see a descendant of Herod assume the throne again? Choose this day whom you will support. It's a trap. Two of the most prominent Jewish political parties seek to draw Jesus into a question that he can't answer without inviting swift retribution. Tell us then what you think, good teacher. We know that you do not look on anyone with partiality, and we really enjoyed your sermon last week, by the way. Tell us, is it lawful to pay tribute, to pay tax to the emperor or not? Now, this is not a conversation that's hidden behind cigar smoke in the back office of a a politician. It's a public conversation occurring either inside or just outside the Jerusalem temple. We can imagine that when they ask Jesus this question, everyone stops what they're doing and eavesdrops. There's no more leather heels clickety-clacketing on the stone floors. There's no more chit-chat amongst passersby. There's no more ricochet of the coins into the coffers. It gets real quiet. Well, is it lawful or not? Here's the quagmire into which they're trying to push Jesus. If Jesus says that he supports paying the tax, then he becomes something of a traitor to the common people, unhappily occupied as they already are by the Romans. To pay the tax would be to support the very world powers who are suppressing and taking enough from them already. Can you imagine after all the throngs of people he healed and taught and to whom he gave hope against hope, hearing Jesus say, sure, it's lawful to pay the tax. No sooner had he said that than he would go back home and log into his Jesus Facebook and find that he'd been unfriended by thousands. Forget it. You can't say that. You can't support the tax, Jesus. You can just feel the people around him, just the common people, urging him, sending laser beams, directing him to say the word no. Say no. You tell them no. But, but if Jesus says no, then he risks being seen as disloyal to the empire. This too would create even more problems for him than he already has. And if he takes up the mantle of the rebel or the zealot, the people will lift him up on their shoulders and they'll begin to sing, for he's a jolly good fellow. For about 15 minutes they'll have a great rollicking party until the centurions storm in and take Jesus and throw him in the slammer. I remember when sixth graders posed a similar kind of question to me when I was being introduced to the congregation out in front of hundreds of people that I'd never met before. Uh, and as soon as the question was asked, someone said, Pass. <laughs> this is one of those moments for Jesus. You can just hear a disciple in the wings urging him, just say, Pass. If Jesus answers their question with a yes or a no, he can expect swift and devastating consequences. How's he going to get out of this one? Jesus asked for the coin. They bring him one. They, they furnish it. They've got it immediately. They've got the coin. They hand it to Jesus right then and there. It's one of the funniest moments in all of Scripture. Right there in front of God and everybody, he's already outsmarted them. How? Because these coins were, well, they were little graven images. No sooner had they been proud of themselves for cornering Jesus with this tough question, than he has already got them breaking one of the Ten Commandments. Out of the gate, in broad daylight, and not a stone's throw from the holiest of holies. Thou shalt not make unto thee a graven image. You just hear that ringing in the the Pharisees' heads, the Herodians' heads. That's how they talked back then. Thou shalt not make unto thee a graven image. Well, they had one in their own pockets. So Jesus turns it back on them. Whose head is on this graven image? And whose title? Uh, well, uh, or, uh, <clears throat> uh, you tell them. Uh, mm, it's, uh, I'm sorry, What? Whose head? Whose title? Well, it's the um, the emperor's. I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. It's the emperor's. What would you say? Can you say it so everyone can hear? It's the emperor's. Ah. And then Jesus makes it plain. Well then, give the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. Of course, in a way, it sounds like Jesus has just threaded a needle by taking both sides at once. That's not it. If what Jesus said is taken as support of both sides, then why? Here's the real question. Then why are they all so amazed after he says it? They're all amazed. And they stand there in a stupor before they just sort of gradually wander off. I believe what's happened here is Jesus has just exposed the idolatry of their chief concerns. As Dorothy Day once wrote about this passage, the less you have of Caesar's, the less you have to render to Caesar. That, I believe, is the revelation that comes crashing down on these leaders. When we give everything to God, what's left for Caesar? Now, suppose Jesus were confronted by some political parties of our time, and they asked him whose side he was on. You can bet if it happened in the town square, the same scene would unfold, something very similar. Just a few weeks before the election, the propaganda has reached a fever pitch. Everyone is tense and irritable and doom-scrolling Twitter. Tell us, good teacher, who are you going to vote for? And gets real quiet, right outside of Tupelo, Honey, in Pritchard Park. And Jesus looks around at those gathered, calm and composed. He catches somebody's eye and he winks at them. My vote? Oh, I, I, uh, I gave that away. You did what? I, I gave it away. Now, I don't think you understood. We asked who you're voting for. I said, yeah, I heard you. I I gave it away. You mean you didn't vote? No, it's not what I said. I I said I gave it. I had it. It It's mine. It's my voice, my vote. I gave it away. Well, you can't do that. That's voter fraud. No, uh, not quite. You see, I've been giving away this whole time. Every year, I give it away. My voice, my power, it's not for me. I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. I once gave it away to this this woman I ran into. Actually, she ran into me. It was really crowded, and she made her way through the crowd, and she tugged on my robe. She had been hemorrhaging for years, and it turns out she was basically bankrupt from medical bills. She grabbed onto my robe, and I felt... My power go out for me it was the strangest thing so I turned around and also gave her my voice I said your faith has made you well and I blessed her and then I don't know if you all know about this story but there was one time I was teaching that Bible study it was really crowded I was really getting into the text and there was all these kinds of interesting questions and it was so crowded that you couldn't get in the door and all of a sudden this dude drops in from the roof His friends just lowered him down on the ropes, on this mat. He was paralyzed, desperate, desperate for healing, for care. So I told him, I I gave him my voice. I said, stand up and take your mat and walk. And he did. And then there was that one time, uh, call this fraud if you want to that I voted for 5,000 people. Actually, it was more like 15,000 people. That was just the 5,000 men. Uh, they were all really hungry, and I met their very real and human needs in the moment by giving them my voice and my power and multiplied it across the crowd. You know, the liar once asked me to vote for him. Matthew 4.10. But I said, away with you, Satan. Satan. For it's written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And ever since, I haven't given them that much attention, even though he's been very desperate for it. No, I give my voice away and my power away to those who need it the most. I wonder who Jesus would give it away to today. If he were standing out there in Pritchard Park, who would he say? I, I gave it away. Well to whom? Well I gave it away to the young family whose bills are stacking up from the cancer diagnosis. I gave it away to the young man who's just living through absolute literal hell right now because he is addicted to opioids. I gave it away to the young lady who, who feels trapped. She's just found out she's pregnant and she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know where to go. I gave it to her. I gave it to a young boy whose color is not the same color skin as most of ours, who's afraid that his nation is afraid of him all the time. I gave it to him. I gave my voice and my power away to all of these. We have all, well I should say most of us, have been so consumed in this age by making politics our chief concern and partisan politics at that and retreating to our own corners and thinking about ourselves. Even those Christians who were so faithful and kind ha- have much to answer for. And across my own lifetime, I have observed a relegation of our faith, even in the public sphere, out of fear that we might be seen to be taking sides. Well, meanwhile, the worst have been filled with passionate intensity and all of the fighting and the bickering over the the last generation across my whole lifetime has come to a head in recent years. And what do we have to show for it now? A threadbare nation, even before COVID, It has become an object of wonder and amusement to our neighbors, a grotesque monument to unchecked greed and power with shocking economic disparities and a declining average lifespan, which you typically only find during times of World War. And it's time, I believe, for those of us who have exercised our voice, our power, and our vote to give our voice and our power to the unheard, to the forgotten, the rejected, the poor, those whom our nation calls minorities, and the young. That's what i'm going to do this year i'm going to give my vote away because i've been inspired my been inspired by my friend gus gus is a little older than me early 50s he's got two young children in high school they can't even vote yet gus told me the story recently he was sitting at the dinner table with his children And he looked up from his plate and he surprised them with the question, who do y'all want me to vote for? He said, I'm old now. You know, I've had my chance. I've been voting since like the 20th century. But the decisions that the next people make, they're going to affect you more than they affect me. And by the time some of the consequences come to bear on decisions that are made in the next few years, I might be dead and gone. So who do you want me to vote for? Because I'm going to put my voice in on your behalf. (laughs) And he said his children... They looked up at him and they were amazed and very grateful.